guys. Welcome back to Rave Culture Podcast, your weekly guide to the EDM community, music festivals, and more. I'm your host, Emma Capotis. Thank you all so much for checking out today's episode. Boy, do we have a good one. We are getting into it today, you guys. This is going to be such a fun topic to cover. I'm super pumped. I'm also a little bit exhausted. I'll tell you a little bit about my weekend and what's been going on. Uh, And then we're going to just jump right into today's topic because we got a bit of a longer episode. This might be our longest one to date, actually. Very excited about everything we're going to cover and going to share with you guys today. In this episode, we are going to be talking a lot about Burning Man. I also am going to have a very special guest on who I will introduce in a second to chat with us about what that experience and culture is like. And uh, it's just a topic that I've personally been very interested in exploring. I don't know too much about it. I've, um, you know, done some research for today's episode, but my whole goal here is to shed light on all of the different aspects of this community and the really interesting cultures that there are. And Burning Man is just one of those things that I think is so intriguing and alluring to me. And, you know, I think it's obviously grown over the years, but it's one of those things that not everybody gets to attend. And it's a big deal. It's a lot of preparation. There's a lot to it. Um, If you go on burningman.org, their website, there's so much information. It's almost overwhelming. At least it is. It's overwhelming for me. Um, But I've just met people recently who have said it's been like the most transformative experience. It's such a cool city and an interesting vibe. So I'm going to have my friend Jess on who goes by living by the F word on social media. And she's been a couple times. So she is going to be shedding some light on what it is like, how to prepare for it. And we we definitely get into like nitty gritty details as well. You guys, I wanted to provide you like as much concrete information as possible, especially if you've been interested in attending this next year or in the future. Um, we cover all the things like you kind of need to know that's, you know, on, on the basis level and we get into some nitty-gritty details so it's gonna be really fun I hope you guys enjoy this I learned a ton myself and I feel a little bit more educated on what Burning Man is what it's about so I think a lot of people will find this really interesting and really helpful I hope but before we get into that again I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in today Um, I would really really appreciate it if you guys would screenshot and share your screen and tag me in it at rave culture cast or at emma capotis that's my personal account um you know spread the word get the word out about the podcast you know we're growing every week it's super exciting and i'm enjoying doing this so so much so you know i thank you guys for you know sending a link to your friends spreading the word putting it on snapchat wherever it is uh thank you guys so much for doing that and you know everybody who rates on um apple podcasts and reviews i appreciate that so so much um one really quick announcement guys i'm just switching stuff up a little bit um i pulled you guys on i think on instagram and on twitter i'm gonna pause uploading episodes to soundcloud at least in like the for the time being I've just you know we're on episode 28 and I've just been reevaluating a lot of stuff and it seems that a huge portion of you guys listening come in through Spotify through Apple Podcasts or through YouTube and um, there's not as many listens on SoundCloud and also I'm personally trying to cut back on some things financially so I'm you know already paying for Spotify and I kind of want to cut back on SoundCloud for the time being so I'm so sorry for any of you guys who listen over there but I think it's a very very small majority So I hope you can make the change to one of the other platforms. You know, I would appreciate it. The Anchor app is actually where I record and upload a lot of stuff. So the Anchor app is also a really, really great resource to listen as well. So anyway, I just wanted to to put that announcement out there because I am going to be cutting back on my um, monthly subscription to SoundCloud. 
All right. I know we have a longer episode, so I'm going to get into our listeners of the week really quickly. And then uh, I just want to talk about submissions for upcoming episodes. And then we're going to hop right into my interview with Jess. Okay, so let's go over. So we have our first listener of the week. If you guys um, are new here, I just started this. This is the first one. It's a new segment we're trying out. Um, You can nominate somebody. So please feel free to email me. It's raveculturecast at gmail.com. That's raveculturecast at gmail.com. And nominate a friend, a loved one, whoever who listens to the podcast and is a fan of the podcast and has done something either positive for other people or just like done something good for their community recently that you want to shout out. It could also be just like a friend that listens who had something exciting happen to them. You know, I want to shout out you guys as much as possible. So the first one here, this is from Don. It says, hey, Emma, I wanted to shout out my friend Stephanie, aka Mama Tempa. Mama Tempa, what's up, girl? We met at Izu. (laughs) She's the leader of the Chicago Shufflers and has been the main reason our growth has been exponential in the Midwest. You actually met her at Izu Meetup when, yes, we did. Her and I love your podcast and I think she deserves all the love and praise for all her hard work. Can't thank her enough for what a strong woman leader she is. Hell yes. That is so, so dope. You guys were awesome. I love the Chicago Shufflers. We got to hang at Izu and then I went to one of their Shuffle Meetups. Mama Tempa, what's good? Thank you so, so much for listening um, and for being what it sounds like an incredible leader so keep doing what you're doing and I have one more that I loved this is from Vince it says I want to shout out my friend Kelly Bradley she's a Texas registered nurse and she loves to help people through her job I met her and her brother at EDC 2019 and they were both amazing and let me rave with them all day Saturday that's so dope thank you so much for writing in Kelly what is good Uh, thank you for being incredible and for helping people Uh, you're doing an amazing thing and it sounds like you are making an impression on people around you so keep doing what you're doing thank you so much for listening and Vince thank you so much for submitting her as a listener of the week so you guys now you have an idea of what it's about please send in submissions I'll try and cover as many as I can Uh, again email it in let me know why we should be shouting somebody out and uh, I want to call you guys out because I love you and thank you so much for the support all right submission wise I am still looking for submissions for an upcoming episode on how to overcome a bad festival experience or a bad trip whatever it is Say you're at a festival and, you know, something goes wrong, something happens with your group, you know, I don't know, there's drama, um, maybe substances are involved, you have a medical problem, whatever it is. How did you turn your night around and what advice would you give to other people to sort of turn it from a negative situation into a a positive one? Or if it's more of like bad trip, how do you get out of that? Um, I've had people write into me before letting me know of the situations they've been in and have asked me like, what should they do in the future? So please write in your stories, your advice, your tips to raveculturecast at gmail.com. I'm going to be trying to do that episode next week. So um, try and have your emails in by like Saturday, Sunday, if possible, and just title it um, like bad festival experience or bad how to get over a bad trip. Okay, now we're getting into the topic, you guys. I hope you're pumped. So like I mentioned today, I have my friend Jess coming on. She goes by living by the F word on social media. Um, Her whole mentality and the way she approaches what she does is really, really cool. Um, She's been a part of the music festival community for a couple years now. And I think it was, she said 2012 was when she got like started in everything and then got like fully involved, you know, more like 2013, 2014. And she has a blog, living by the F word 
com. So definitely go check that out. And more recently, she started on YouTube, which is really cool because she has experienced a ton of different festivals and has a lot of advice and experiences she can share. And she has some preparation videos already up. Um, she had some about Electric Forest. She's got some on Burning Man and she has more to come. So um, she and I have been, you know, chatting off camera and she's been a really great resource for me personally because I've, you know, been doing this for I think a little over eight years now, but there's still so much to learn and I really love meeting other people in the community and that's also why I have this podcast. It's not just for me to sit here and talk at you. I want other people to come on and share their insights and, you know, why this community changed their life and Jess is like a perfect example of that. So um, she's also a flight attendant, which is really cool. So we didn't cover it too much in this episode, but she was on, she called into the raving solo episode that we had previously and talked a little bit about like traveling solo and how that's been such like a huge thing in her life. So she totally supports that and, you know, tells people to go out and do that. But she's also spoken at music festival conferences. I think she's been in different books. So, you know, throughout her sharing her journey and experience, Experiences with others she's really like radiated a lot of positivity out in the world and I asked her to come on just to talk to her about like what she's been doing with her YouTube channel and I really just wanted to pick her brain about Burning Man because it's again one of these things that I just find so interesting and intriguing and she's been I think this was her fourth time I want to say third or fourth I think fourth but um she had really really great insights and we talked everything from like how to get prepared to what it's the experience is sort of like when you're there to how to handle like severe weather and just like all things in between the the 10 major principles that Burning Man sort of like abides by and you know guys this is not a festival Burning Man itself is like a temporary city the actual event is like eight days I want to say but again we talk about all the preparation that goes into it beforehand and it's just this whole culture and community. It's so interesting. So Jess and I are going to get into all of that today. And I really hope that you guys learn a little little bit more about Burning Man. Um, if you've ever been curious about attending it, I think this is a great intro um, to the event itself. So with all of that being said, you guys, please welcome to the podcast, Jess, aka Living by the F Word. Hello. Hello. I did a quick intro before you came on um, and just explained like a little bit about you and your background. Um, But just to kick everything off, I would love it if you could just quickly introduce yourself, you know, like where you're from, what you do for a living um, and what got you involved in the music festival community. Okay, sure. So um, hi everyone. I'm Jess. I am from New Jersey. I am a flight attendant. I was a fine arts major, so I consider myself a fine artist as well. And I mm-hmm. like lots of arts and crafts and anything creative projects. And I also consider myself a festival enthusiast. And I have always been involved in the scene. In the early 2000s, I was not in the rave scene. I was probably too young, and um, but I was heavily involved in rock New Jersey scene and I would put on a lot of local shows then I started going to festivals like Warp Tour and some other multi-genre festivals but I never really uh, went to any raves or dance music festivals mm-hmm. until I went to Ultra in 2012 and that was probably the first major rave festival I went to and including all the winter music conference parties mm-hmm. and so after that it was kind of just a snow- snowball effect of me going 
to festivals and traveling solo, which I did mention on mm -hmm. the raving solo yes. podcast that you had, which I spent like, probably like my whole life story in 30 minutes. <laughs> that, so that was perfect. That. <laughs> but yeah, basically what happened was, well, actually, I guess it was like back in 2011, one of the guys I was dating, he was actually into house music and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I never really listened to it. And actually I kind of associate, associated it badly because whenever we would have an argument, he would blast it. Oh, and so no. I would like associate that with it. And so I never really listened to mm -hmm. it. And then finally I decided, you know what? Um, let me, let me just, let me just go to ultra. Like I need a vacation. You know, I, I had graduated college at that point mm -hmm. and was just waitressing and I just kind of wanted to go somewhere. And that's how, um, I met a bunch of people and started traveling solo. And then these two Australian guys in particular, they really kind of got me into like the house and electronic scene, mm -hmm. uh, down in Australia. They took me to a bunch of shows and festivals down there. And then so I en cool. ended up ultimately going going on the Groove Cruise in mm -hmm. 2013. And that kind of just like launched everything into where I am now. And right. so 2013 was a huge year for me. I just went, I went to Groove Cruise. I went to Hangout Fest in Alabama. Mm -hmm. I went to Tomorrowland, which was the first camping music festival I ever camped at. So awesome. And that sort of just like snowballed everything for you. I guess what really, how I really got involved in the festival industry as far as covering media and volunteering at mm -hmm. festivals and contributing to books and so forth was I yeah. went 2014 to IMF Con, which was called the International Music Festival Conference. That's what it was called back then. Mm -hmm. And I bought a ticket because I wanted to go and network with people in the festival industry because I wanted to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And that's when I kind of started networking with people like the festival guy, the festival lawyer, music festival junkie, um, the Groove Cruise founder was there and wow. he had seen a video I had done just as a fan. And basically he was the one that really supported me and taught me how to get in touch with PR and make connections with PR. And so from 2015 on, that's when I really started covering media. I started my blog and I don't really write that much on my blog anymore because what ended up mm -hmm. happening was I turned everything I loved into work. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I'll write on there once in a while, but, um, I did start my YouTube channel because I do know how to edit video. And I thought, you know what, it might be easier mm -hmm. to talk about these things that I know about. Right. And so that's, that's pretty much it. I've, you know, contributed to books. I've volunteered at a lot of events. I have covered media for festivals like uh, SXM in St. Martin. Mm -hmm. I've done Mystery Land USA, Groove Cruise several times. And it's just okay. a really big part of my life. And mm -hmm. I just absolutely like am obsessed with going to festivals. It's just <laughs> my release. And right. I have, I would say, the biggest network I've ever had because of music festivals. So right. just a little bit about my background. That's awesome. Yeah, so I was going to say, so we have the blog, livingbythefword.com, which is where, like you said, you originally started and that's still up and running. Um, and then I said before, you also just started your YouTube channel, which is awesome because I feel like you've had so many experiences and such a great story to tell that you're now turning that into videos to help people prepare for music festivals and just share your other experiences. So those are the two like main areas right now that I would say probably people can follow what you're doing, right? Is like yeah. YouTube more active now? Uh, yeah, I would say the YouTube's more active uh, with the exception of since I have been, a, so been long, in yeah. a really intense program. Um, mm -hmm. 
I actually am editing a video right now, but I'm kind of behind on my work just because I've had a lot of studying and exams and I've had to refocus a lot of my time and my mm -hmm. time management with my actual job. Right. So I, I do feel like I'm a little behind, but I'm trying not to stress too much about it because you just got to go with the flow and, oh, and yeah. you know, focus on what's important. And so yeah. right now my, you know, my job takes up a lot of time. So I was going to say really quickly with living by the F word on your website, I was just reading. So the F stands for a whole bunch of things, festivals being one of them, but also fine art, film, fashion, frequent flying, funky tunes, fitness, basically everything that you embody, which is awesome. So did you come up with that name originally, like when you were coming out with the blog in like 2015? It was actually probably around 2013 when I first started going to all the festivals and it originally was called living by the F word. It was called something else, but my slogan was living by the F word. So I still hashtag by the F word, but I had a different name. Um, and I ended up rebranding to living by the F word probably in about 2016 or 2017, because what happened was I was covering a festival in St. Martin SXM festival and as I was introducing myself to people, they were not understanding the name I was telling them, my old name. Mm -hmm. And they were like, what, what is it? And like, yeah. they didn't know what it was and they couldn't remember it. And that was kind of when I realized, okay, I need to rebrand to something people will, will remember and mm -hmm. can connect with. And so when I rebranded it to living by the F word and people would say, oh, well, what's the F word? And I would say, oh, well, flying festivals, fashion, food, fine mm -hmm. art and whatever the F I want, they were like, I love that. So, yeah, that's, so, good. <laughs> yeah, so that's how I rebranded. And um, uh, there's this book I read called Hello, My Name is Awesome. And it's about mm -hmm. brand development. And if you have to rebrand, and one of the things in that mm -hmm. book that is commonly a fear of people when they have to rebrand re is that, well, people already know and now if right. I rebrand that, what's going to happen. But right. basically what the book was saying was, you know, the people that are going to start following you from this point on, they won't even know what that was, right. what that right. brand was. So, exactly. so yeah, so I rebranded to that and I think it's been a little bit more successful for me and it makes a little bit more sense because yeah. the last, name that I had was a nickname that okay. people like close friends called me. And so when I was networking at all these events and at all these festival conferences and stuff, people didn't really understand what mm -hmm. it meant or what it was. So yeah, I, I just rebranded and mm -hmm. uh, I think it's been much better that way. <laughs> yeah. And I think it just totally makes sense with like everything that you are living by and with your brand and what you're trying to do as well. And like, especially like the products that you have moving forward. I think it makes a lot of sense. And it was very catchy when we connected, which I was so glad that you, that you reached out. Um, and for like everyone listening, just some like behind the scenes stuff. Um, Jess has been really great with like the podcast and with videos that I've worked on. Like you have such a great uh, background and different experiences than I've had and more years in this community. So it's been really great, like with you reaching out um, and sharing your stories and giving me like tips and advice as well. So that's like probably one of my favorite things about this community and even like the podcast, getting to meet different people and like talk to you guys. It's just been really cool hearing different stories. So I'm glad that we connected and um, I yeah, <laughs> me too, for sure. I mean, it's my pleasure. I love all the topics that you talk about and I love telling my stories. It makes it mm -hmm. easier for me. But, um, you know, I was thinking 
you know, I do talk so much. I was like, I should just, I should just make some videos about this stuff so people know. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I love contributing to to all of all everything that you talk about I think there's a lot of great content and and especially I think that you are to me at least a bridge um between the younger generation of festival goers Mm -hmm. and maybe the older generation such as myself Mm -hmm. I consider myself a little bit older so I think you're like a nice little bridge between the two for people that are just learning um to go to festivals and with people that have been going for years so it's just such a happy medium and you do such a great job and I'm just I'm really proud of watching in the short amount of time that I have been following Mm -hmm. you I'm just so proud of everything you've accomplished I mean it's amazing to see your growth it's been great yeah it's just well thank you so much and it's just been really cool because I think and this is you know one of the topics I want to talk to you about I'll get into it in a second but it's just from my perspective you know I'm still absolutely obsessed with music festivals and the whole culture but as I've learned more and seen like younger people who are getting into festivals and they're just growing and getting even more crazy there's just so much about this community I think people can learn and also like learning through my mistakes or other people's mistakes to you know try and have a better experience than maybe I had at something just so that you can learn like earlier on when you're first getting into things or maybe be a little bit more prepared or whatever it is I think it's kind of cool that all these YouTube channels are popping up and people in the community like sharing their stories are kind of helping each other out And I just feel like it's bringing people closer too. People are getting to like meet more people or share experiences. And um, I don't know, it's been really helpful for me. So it's, I'm glad you started a channel and you know, you'll be able to share like all of your experience as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I have, I have a list of a ton of of, (laughs) of videos that I've been wanting to put out. Some I already have filmed and other Mm -hmm. ones I just have like, you know, it's like the never ending list. And what I love about you is you've stayed committed. I mean, that's the number one thing with any type of project is you have to stay committed. And so I was doing a great job where my goal was to put out a video every two weeks. That's, that was mm-hmm. my goal when I first started. And then I was actually pushing out a video every week. But then since I've been in this training program for my work, it's definitely yeah. been on the back burner. So like, I'm excited to get back Jump into back it. In. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, yeah totally. Oh, oh my yeah. God. It takes hours <laughs> to edit. And I'm like a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't really have a lot of the festival after movies I've done on my living by the F word channel. I have, mm-hmm. they're on my personal channel, which if you, go to my living by the f word channel i'm pretty sure i have it connected but that's where a lot of those videos are and i didn't transfer them over just because of copyright issues with the music i used and stuff like that but yeah i really love to edit to music and that's what's been awesome about about youtube and just talking is that you don't have to really worry that much about editing as much as if you're doing like an after movie style video so it's been really cool uh to to get creative in a different way Mm -hmm. one of the topics that i wanted to chat with you about and transition into because i personally felt like Like one, I don't have any experience with it. And I've definitely done my research like in the past few weeks. And I've always, you know, seen people's pictures and videos online. But I wanted to talk to you today about Burning Man in particular, because I know that you just got back from your trip this year. And I know Mm -hmm. you've attended in the past. So I would love to pick your brain about it and just kind of talk about, you know, the ideals of it and the principles behind it. And I think it's just one of these festivals that not 
not that many people have the experience attending. And I think it's like, I don't know, to me, it's very intriguing and alluring because I almost feel there's not that much about it or people don't like talk about it as much um, because it's not one of the, it's not a fest. It's not something that's like got paid media behind it. So it's not being like blasted into your face all the time on social media or anything. It's the complete opposite of that. So I want to start off by asking, you know, like how many times have you gone at this point? And and, you know, how did your most recent trip go? Sure. Yeah. So I have gone to three Burning Mans in the past four years. I, mm-hmm. my first burn was 2016. And then I went back in 2017. I skipped 2018. And then I went back this year. Mm-hmm. And this year was my best year, my most favorite year, but they're, they're all different <laughs> in, in different ways. Right. But um, I do think it's important for everyone to know that's listening that, um, um, I I think it was 2011 was when I found out about Burning Man and mm-hmm. um, I saw a picture of the Temple of Transition, which I think to this day was the largest temple they've ever built there. And I mm-hmm. just remember seeing it and I was like, that can't be real. <laughs> like that cannot right. be real. Wow, that's amazing. And in my head, I was under the impression that this was one of the best music and arts festivals in the world and that it was a festival and that, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I got, you know, I got to put this on my bucket list for festivals. <laughs> and I think it's important that everyone knows that I, my first burn was a very rough one, <laughs> not because I wasn't prepared. I was prepared, but then things kept happening that I, I guess, wasn't expecting right you know and so um i just think that people should know that first of all it it's not a festival a lot of people think it is and i and i can mm-hmm. understand why because there are a lot of festival qualities that festivals take from burning man and and use mm-hmm. at their festivals and i definitely can can understand why people think it's a festival because of the large scale art out there and because of right. all the music that's out there and so forth but the truth of the matter is is it is a city and it's a very large city the population now is i think over 70,000 people yeah. and there's very there's very different um aspects of it um, that make it more than a festival. And right. so, um, you know, the, the number one thing is that the entire city is built by the people that go there. So right. everything that you see out there as far as camps, whether they are a sound camp, which a sound camp is where you would go and see like maybe a large music show mm-hmm. or a theme camp is just a larger group of uh, people that have a particular theme for their camp or, or village and, and mm-hmm. a village is multiple camps that are grouped together. So there's a lot of terminology that yeah. um, <laughs> that I do plan on going over on my own channel, basically yeah. breaking down different elements because I mean, we could talk I could talk for hours just about bikes at Burning Man. You know what I mean? Like, it's just very complex. But, you know, I, I can tell everyone, like, a little bit about the history of the event. That's what most people call it is the event or the burn. Mm -hmm. So it was, it actually started in 1986. So it was going on longer than I've been alive. And I'm sure longer than many of the people listening have been alive. And it actually was um, founded on Baker Beach in San Francisco, California, and there was only 35 people there. And uh, Larry Harvey and one of his friends, so Larry Harvey was one of the co-founders, 
and him and one of his friends decided to burn a man that was only eight feet tall. Hmm. And the burningman.org has a lot of great resources for you, but yeah, if you you visit burningman.org backslash timeline, it gives you a full history of the event. And for each year, it tells you the population, the size of the man, the colors of the lights on the man, the history, the different changes and the evolution of each year and how they came up with different parts of the city, like the Department of Public Works, the Black Rock Rangers, camps, and um, themes for various years. What I think is interesting is then after a few years that it was in San Francisco, uh, they moved it. 1990 was like the transition year where they actually had part of it held at Baker Beach, but then they actually burned the man in the Black Rock Desert. Mm -hmm. And so... 1991 was the first time they put out a desert survival guide for people. And then in 1992, it was the first year that they had it out on the Black Rock Desert. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the population was only 600 people. And so it just continued to evolve. And at one point, it was called the Black Rock Arts and Music Festival. So it was called a festival at first. But I think what ended up happening was in 2004, as the community started getting larger and larger and larger, because by I think it was like by 2003, there was probably about 30,000 people that were attending Burning Man. And so they wanted to start doing these regional events and they call them regional burns. So Larry Harvey came up with, actually at first, he came up with nine principles that he wanted to present to people. Mm -hmm. And um, basically these principles, they weren't rules, but it was a way for people that were involved in the Burning Man community to, I guess, essentially explain what Burning Man was about when they were trying to have these regional burns because they were going to their local communities and saying, hey, we want to have an event that that like involves all these things about Burning Man. And they're like, well, what is it? Is it a festival? Is it this? Is it that? So that's how the principles came about so that these communities could understand what Burning Man values were. Yeah, I was going to say, so 100% agree with you, like burning.org, that's definitely what I was using as like my main resource. And that's super interesting, all like the history about it. I'm definitely going to have to go and read the timeline. Um, But I wanted to read this really quickly because I think this sums up like everything you were just saying. They have a first timer's guide, which is super helpful um, for anybody who's like thinking of attending next year. But I'll just read this verbatim really quickly. It says, Burning Man is not a festival. Burning Man is a community, a temporary city, a global cultural movement based on 10 practical principles. We do not book acts or provide entertainment. What happens here is up to you. There is no corporate sponsorship. You are entering a decommodified space that values who you are, not what you have. You are expected to collaborate, to be inclusive, creative, connective, and clean up after yourself participate actively as a citizen of Black Rock City, which I think is incredible. I mean, it's unlike anything else. Like nothing else does does this and it's just the most intriguing thing ever. And I definitely want to like read the principles out. I won't go into all of them, but I wanted to ask you about them quickly, but the 10 principles that they, I guess you would say like these are their guidelines are radical inclusion, gifting, decommodification, radical self-reliance, radical self-expression, communal effort, civic responsibility, leave no trace, participation, and immediacy. 
which sounds like a lot, <laughs> but it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of key words that you have to learn with this event. Yeah. So if anyone's interested, I did put out a video before mm -hmm. I went out to Burning Man explaining the 10 principles and I read each principle as you just did. And then I mm -hmm. read the definition as per the Burning Man org site. And then I said what it meant to me. So I could definitely touch upon a few of them if you want, or if you guys just prefer, you can definitely go check that video out after, after this podcast for sure. But um, is there yeah, anyone that you're interested in? in particular because that video is almost 40 minutes long about me talking know, about the 10 I principles <laughs> I, I would ask rather than like getting into them each individually I guess yeah I'm just curious you know if you can take yourself back to the first year that you went you know whether you like totally understood what these meant or not like what do they mean to you now and like as a person looking through the eyes of somebody who maybe hasn't attended yet can you just like explain the importance of these Okay, sure. Yeah. So I had my, my first burn. I'll just give a little backstory. Sure. My first burn, I felt super prepared. I had reached out to some friends that I had that were longtime burners that had been going for several years. And I asked if I could get involved in their theme camp because mm -hmm. I didn't want to go out there without being a part of a camp. I wanted to make sure right. I had like a community and shelter and I wasn't going to out there and walk in camp alone. And mm -hmm. I had a ride out there with one of my friends that was going as well. And so I just felt like I had everything lined up and everything was going to run smoothly. And I was finally going to Burning Man. And it was going to be the best thing ever, ever, ever. And then all these little things kept happening that I wasn't prepared for. And what I've learned is that is a part of almost everyone's journey getting to Burning Man <laughs> is something that you don't want to happen usually happens. So okay. um, for me, what happened was, and I actually did write about it on my blog and it was like a mm -hmm. three part blog post, but I only posted the first part because after I was rereading all the other parts, I was like, man, this is so negative. People aren't going to even believe me. <laughs> yeah. And so mm -hmm. just to sum it up, there was just a lot of obstacles. Like we had, we had a car, we didn't have an RV. So we had all our stuff in the car. Mm. Um, we left the key to the U-lock back at my friend's apartment in LA. Oh, so we no. had to like go out of the way, get it hacksawed off. We got, when we got into the gate, it was like a total whiteout sandstorm. They had the gate shut down. We didn't get in oh, until man. nighttime. We couldn't set our stuff up. Once we did, once it was morning and we went to set our stuff up, like his car died. And then when we took our bikes off the back, my bike tire was so low, like hanging so low oh, that the, the exhaust like burnt it to a crisp. And it was like, I had to go get it, go to find a bike camp to get a new bike tire. Oh, and then God. it was just like, it kept spiraling one thing, after the like, other. Yeah. one thing after another, like we'd fix something and then something else would happen. We'd fix something, something else would happen. And like, right. I just didn't realize that that could happen and mm -hmm. then with, and then of course with like adding on to being in an environment you're not used to being out in the desert in this large environment and mm -hmm. I think how I and like I said before how I went into Burning Man was you know when I was when it was my first time going there I was I was thinking it was a festival. So I was like, I have to go catch this act and I have to go here and I have to go there. And I was mm -hmm. just burning myself out trying to ride around this massive city, trying to catch things. I was yeah. missing so much of what was there. Like I didn't, 
really climb a lot of art. I didn't really, you know, get involved with different volunteering in the city. And yeah, and it was just, and I didn't really realize until I got home. And so I think it was like at that point that I really started to relook at those principles and understand what they meant. So it took the first try and doing all that. So like, I think like, so participation, that was a huge one that I felt like I failed at because I felt like I didn't participate because I didn't Mm -hmm. really volunteer. I did volunteer with the camp I was at, but it also was very overwhelming as a first-time burner to have a ton of volunteer shifts when you were also trying to see so much. And then on top of it, trying trying to fix all the problems that we had. So that was a little hard. So, you know, that, but like, really like, you know, I got home and there was so much art I felt like I hadn't seen. So a lot of the art is heavily influenced to be in, uh, to be used by the people out there. So Mm -hmm. there's buttons you can, there's buttons you can press to make the lights change different colors, or you can like, you know, pull something and it'll make it move or, you know, um, there's different elements that's very interactive. And I didn't really read the first time that I went out there and there was things that I did understand, like the leaving no trace. I understood my one friend Tucker did this whole project, Leave No Trace Plus Ones for festivals where, you know, as long as you are picking up for yourself plus one, then the festival will be clean. So I knew that concept already, but also like the decommodification, that was definitely a principle I didn't really Mm -hmm. know. So that has a lot to do with advertising. And unfortunately, there's a lot of brands that still do this where they will have photo shoots out there or they'll send out emails wanting to sell their products you know, so that you could wear them at Burning Man. And, you know, there's no problem Mm -hmm. with wearing amazing outfits out there, but it's really just not supposed to be advertised or, you know. Used to sell things, basically. Yes, exactly. And so I didn't really, I didn't really understand that either. So when I came back with all my photos, like I had my, my brand on the photos, which I probably, I I haven't done that since, but like, there's just a lot of little things I just didn't really understand, which is, which is normal. But I also didn't really know that many people that had on to Burning Man. I mean, right. I, knew, I knew few people, but they never really explained it that much to me. So I'm, I guess for the listeners, I would definitely research these things and try to understand what they really mean before you head out mm-hmm. there. That way you'll have a better experience and you can contribute and more. you know what you're and... getting into also. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So could yeah. I be 100% honest with you <laughs> and everyone listening? Yes. Okay. So I wrote this down because I was like, I know a lot of other people probably feel the same way as me. Being 1000% honest, I always was like not interested in it just because it was so intimidating to me. Just like the whole, like, even if you go on their website, there's so much information. And again, since you're building everything yourself, you're completely self-reliant, you're bringing everything. I just was like, I don't even know where to begin. I feel like I would be unprepared or, you know, and I've been pretty open with like my subscribers. Like I haven't done a camping festival yet. I'm a hotel ass bitch. Like I need, (laughs) I need my Uh stuff, but I definitely like, I 1000% want to do electric forest next year. I've been camping and stuff like that but there's something about it that from the outside looking in I think is really intimidating and I know it's not supposed to be but I feel like the actual logistics of going there 
seems like it's it's a lot to prepare for. And also, I could be completely wrong, but I always had this feeling like the types of people who went were more like more like free spirits or even like a hippie kind of vibe or like there's lots of drugs and sex going on. Like that's kind of like the vibe that I feel like sometimes is the perception of it. But I'm just curious if that like makes any sense to you. No, yeah, I mean it does make sense and you know that's that is kind of the that is kind of the the vibe that people get mm-hmm. from it because they don't realize that there's so much more right. out there. So I I did another video um called Burning Man frequently asked mm-hmm. questions and it was just kind of like a general opening for me to you know, start talking about Burning Man on my channel. And one of the things that I covered was, you know, is Burning Man a festival was Mm -hmm. one question, but also like, what is it, you know, and the best way I could describe it is if you were to take any city around the world. So, you know, just imagine where you're from, New York City, we'll say New York City, since Mm -hmm. we're both near there. Okay. And you call New York City, a festival it doesn't really make right. sense because there's so much going on within that city there's so many different types of people different styles there's people going to art museums there's people running marathons i mean there's people there's marathons in black That's rock so city crazy. yeah people people are running marathons there's different events there's you know wrestling there's dodgeball camps i mean anything you really could almost do because you're making it everything up. you could imagine anywhere yeah. mm-hmm. yep because people are bringing it there and so, so it's cool. <laughs> i don't know i i just think like it just doesn't make sense if you're gonna call a city mm-hmm. a festival because there's so much more going on besides you know drugs and sex there's so much more going on besides you know right. music there so it's all know, types of people and everything like you, you would say like probably anybody could do it if they had like the desire to go oh yeah. of course yeah and it's all ages i mean all ages because if you think about it burning man started in the mm-hmm. 80s there's a lot of people that have been going for such a long yeah, time so cool. and and so i would actually say that majority of the people that go are people that have been going for 20 years mm-hmm. plus and so they are actually older and families are allowed and there are camps there that are have kids camps and so there are kids around I mean there are there are baby burners Mm -hmm. that have been burning longer than me longer than some other people that have gone and it really is just a city and a community you know with various different all different walks of life they they have to make it too because when I see these incredible pieces of artwork and you'll have to correct me because I know like you can have RVs there but what do you call them when it's the structures that people build and they like drive around in are they like I don't even know what you would call them (laughs) those are called mutant vehicles or you can just call them art cars cars. and you've probably seen some of them at EDC Mm -hmm. Las Vegas there's a lot of them that travel throughout the country and parts of the world that go to different uh festivals the Mayan warrior is a pretty popular one that that you that has been to the Brooklyn Mirage Mm -hmm. and they've done a bunch of different events in Tulum and Mexico and stuff like that but there's tons of there's other festivals that have art Mm -hmm. cars and 
So they, they travel okay. around uh, to different events as well. But those the, out at Burning Man, I mean, it, my mouth still drops. It's the amount of work. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what people have to understand. You were saying it's intimidating. Right. It can be a little bit, but what people need to understand is that Burning Man is a lot yeah. of work. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> getting there, being there, and surviving and getting back is <laughs> yeah, a lot of 100%. work. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and, um, uh, but, you know, there's a popular question that people are always asking, you know, like, well, how much does it cost to go? Mm-hmm. And really, mm-hmm. that depends on that depends on you and how much do you want to contribute? Right. If you're going to do bare minimum and you're just going to buy your ticket and you're not going to be a part of a camp and you're just going to go out there, you know, you're not really no. participating or giving anything to the community. And then there's other people that spend year round or years building large scale art or they work on their art cars and, and you know, art cars can be very simplistic or they you know, some of some of these art cars are out of this world. I mean, really, like they're mind blowing, and I don't even understand how right. they get them there. No, I know it's seriously <laughs> crazy. And you actually just touched on something. Sorry, I'm hopping around. I just have like so many questions <laughs> about all this. I think it's, it's so okay. interesting, and like the more I read into it, I'm like 1,000%. It's a bucket list item, and like I. I just think it's so cool how people have carried these traditions on. And I think the people who have been going for years are the ones who sort of make it because they're showing newer people like what, what it's all about and like how incredible it can be based on exactly like what people provide. But I want to talk logistics with you because you just touched on it. So since it's just, you know, you show up and you can basically spend as much money as you need to get yourself and prepare, do you actually buy tickets to the event? Do they sell tickets to attend it or is it just you just show up? No, yes, you you have to have a ticket. Uh, You cannot even enter the the gate there's so gate road is the entry if you're going by vehicle which is the most common fo- uh, form of travel mm-hmm. to get out there there are they also do have an airport the black rock okay. city airport uh that you could fly in and then there's also the burner express which is a bus that can take you directly from san francisco or from reno airport mm-hmm. and you actually bypass a lot of the the gate road uh line mm-hmm. if you if you go that way but um there are ticket sales and so um i do i can give you information on that so if you're interested in going you need to create a burner profile mm-hmm. and a burner profile is a place where they essentially keep information about you and you basically you have you attended before if any mm-hmm. it's okay they have a they have a section where you could click no right. i haven't but this burner profile keeps track of your volunteer history both on and off the playa it keeps track of if you've registered for art installations steam camps or mm-hmm. vehicles and it's just basically a place to harness all this information and so you do need to have one of those created for in order to get mm-hmm. tickets and then there's different types of ticket sales and each sale has its own dedicated registration period okay so you need to first register for the sale that you're trying to get a ticket for and then you actually then have to go and try to buy a ticket within that okay. sale and um you can visit so there's nothing up for tickets right. for next year as of now, but I can tell you the types of sales and when they generally run so people can have an idea. Sure. So mm-hmm. all this all this stuff is on 
burningman.org, by the mm-hmm. way, guys. Like, I know it's really overwhelming, mm-hmm. but everything is on there. But I will tell you, so there's a corrected group sale. Uh, basically, it ensures that critical groups of people, people that have large mm-hmm. theme camps, art installations, mutant vehicle crews, and other types of Black Rock City uh, in infrastructure mm-hmm. providers, it makes sure that they are able to get Got tickets. It. Okay. And that is based on past performance. So most of the time, those are larger theme camps that are placed throughout the mm-hmm. city, usually from the Esplanade out to this year, I think it was uh, I. So you will get placed the you know, they will place you somewhere, but that typically is for large group sales. Mm -hmm. Then there is a low income ticket program. And so that is an application program where you apply and basically say how you would be contributing to the community Mm -hmm. and why you are deserving of a low income ticket. So low income tickets are about half the price. Um, They're about $210. And they usually, this year, I think they gave out about like 4,500 of those. So it is about half price. And fun fact, I have gone to every single Burning Man on a low income ticket. So it's just, it's something that you have to, um, basically you do have to provide your W-2 and you do show them, you know, why qualify for low income, but I don't want people to get discouraged Mm -hmm. if they feel like they make a lot of money because it's not based off of that. The application is basically based off of, you know, if you are explaining to them your hardships, like you have two mortgages that you're paying and, you know, or you have, you know, this going on in your life or, you know, whatever you have going on, it doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, you make no money. You know what I mean? It just might be your situation or whatever. Exactly. So don't get discouraged from like the whole low income title. You know, you you can definitely apply. Um, It just goes based off of if they're going to see if they think you really could afford a full price ticket or not based off of your circumstances. And then there is the FOMO sale, which... It used to be called the okay. pre-sale, and those tickets, those those tickets are a little more expensive. There's they give out about four thousand mm-hmm. of those tickets, and they're one thousand four hundred dollars. Wow! So I have never tried attempted to buy a ticket in that sale. Um, I guess that's just you know if people really want to secure a ticket, they try to okay. get one of those. And that doesn't come and with anything. Then that's there's securing the, your spot there. Yep. That's just for entry. Okay. Yep. Well, all these are, all these are just for entry. So, um, then there's the main sale and that that's usually, uh, Oh, I have dates for all these, but they're also, they're they're, they're online as well. But, um, yeah, the main sale is, that is what most people try to go for. Those tickets are $425 each and you can get a max of two tickets and one vehicle pass. So the vehicle pass is added on to all these tickets. I think it's a hundred dollars and then there's all these taxes and Mm -hmm. everything like that. So after the main, after the main sale, there's two other sales. There is the step sale, which is, it stands for the secure ticket exchange Mm -hmm. program. So it's basically the safest way for you to purchase face value tickets that were purchased directly from Mm -hmm. Burning Man. So say, say someone buys a ticket in one of these sales and they can't, they no longer can go anymore. They're going to put their, they're going to put their ticket into the step Mm -hmm. program and it's going to go in order of how people registered to, to sell, to resell those tickets to someone that's waiting to get a ticket. 
And then the last type of sale is the OMG sale. And that's usually in July. It's like very last mm-hmm. minute. And those tickets are $550 okay. each. And that's pretty much your last shot of getting tickets if if um, if you're trying to, to get, get one. But the STEP program, yeah, the STEP program does reopen in August. They, they basically put the STEP program on hold during the OMG sale, just in, in case any of the people that were registered for mm-hmm. a step ticket end up getting an omg sale ticket then you know they no longer qualify for the step so it's a very complex it definitely is uh very mm-hmm. complex but the the their website is very right, informative it tells you the dates yeah. yep it, te- it tells you when the registration is it's from this day to this day from this time to this time and then the sale is from this Got day it. to this day this time okay yeah no because I was just so curious I mean like I had read a couple of things but because it isn't a festival I just was curious like yeah like what does it cost to actually gain entry into it um into the city and then on top of it like you mentioned it depends on what you need to provide what type of vehicle you're bringing if you're flying in that cost and then you know food water or shelter tools whatever else like you need to bring with you um so preparation I know main things that you read about it is like you have to be prepared for any kind of weather like you mentioned there can be really severe weather and like it's completely self-reliant so you need to be prepared for that as well as bringing food and water and shelter so how do you typically approach that I know you mentioned you prefer to go with a group is that something you would suggest to somebody who is like thinking of attending next year like maybe to find a group to go with rather than trying to do it you know all alone for your first time I think it's personal preference. And so the first year I went, I was a part of a very large theme camp and they were great people, but it wasn't really Mm -hmm. for me because it was almost too much responsibility and it was too many people. You know, there was hundreds of people in the camp. I didn't know anyone. I didn't really feel like a Mm -hmm. connection. And so my second year I ended up, I was like, nope, I'm going alone. I'm not, I'm not going to be a part of a camp. And I ended up driving, getting a ride in with one of my friends and he, um, the festival guy who I always bring up, he's been a big part of my life in the festival community. So Tucker, I ended up driving in with him and he was like totally bugging out about me being alone. He's like, this is not cool. You only have your tent. You don't have shelter. Like this is I don't want to drop you off alone. Like, can't you just, you know, get dropped? Like, can I just drop you off? Mm -hmm. You know, there were some other people riding in in the RV with us. Can you go with them to their camp? And I was like, yeah, I guess. (laughs) But like, I don't really want to like, like just drop in on this camp, you know, but I guess if you feel more comfortable and it ended up being the camp that I'm still with today, Camp Burner Brown, I got to give them a shout out. And I'm just so lucky that I became a part of their camp. Uh, You know, I got involved with them and we made an art car this year and it was such an amazing thing to be a part of, but we're a small camp. We're not a registered theme camp. So there's maybe 30 to 50 of us, depending on the Mm -hmm. year. And we, you know, we don't have official events in the book or anything like that. So we just kind of do our own Mm -hmm. thing, but they're just such a great group of people. So um, my advice to people is, is if you're going, if you're going for the first time, I definitely think it would be beneficial to be with people that have gone before. It's helpful. Maybe. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's helpful because if you are a part of a camp, a lot of these camps, you know, there's that communal effort Mm -hmm. part of it where 
and this person's bringing this, they're bringing the communal shelter, they're bringing mm-hmm. the kitchen, you know, every camp has basically a kitchen set up, a communal uh, shaded area for everyone right, to like hang out in. And it's, need it, and maybe not think about if you haven't done it. <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah, it's really important. And also because of the element of the Black Rock Desert, you can't just bring like, so say you're going to let's just say electric mm-hmm. forest i've been there a ton of times and you have those canopy tents that you know those oh, easy yeah. ups that just pop up you'll you'll see some of those out there but not really because those i mean the the winds can get up way. to <laughs> i don't even know yeah yeah it's just it could be a total mess and so what a lot of people use to build structure is they have rebar pcp mm-hmm. pipe um they have metal poles and bungee yeah Yeah, and bungees and 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 there's different types of structures that you know you can Mm -hmm. build and a lot of people use uh, monkey huts for to go over their tent so that their tent Mm -hmm. is shaded and so there's uh, there is a lot of prep as far as the yeah. shelter. And so I think when you go with people that have been there before, it does make it a little easier, but I don't think it's okay. necessary. I will say that. Mm-hmm. So luckily for me, 2017 and 2019, the weather was pretty good. There wasn't that many whiteouts. I mean, there was some strong wind at certain points there, mm-hmm. you know, there's always sandstorms out there, dust storms. But, um, you know, there have been years that I've heard about that I haven't been at that have been completely freezing, rain, oh wind, totally crazy. Yeah. And so it's just uh, that that part of Mother Nature is always unpredictable no matter where you go. And mm-hmm. so do I think it's necessary? No. I have friends that have gone out and they've gone into open camping and they've had a blast just going on their own. Mm-hmm. But I think it depends on the type of person you are. Okay. Um, so not everybody has RVs then, right? Because that's what I, I was picturing like to combat all of that and just to be super prepared the best thing to do would to be like have like a really big vehicle with you but I know like they're trying to reduce the damage to the environment so yeah I just I don't know just pictured everyone like having big RVs yeah mostly everyone does have big RVs Mm -hmm. and what's funny is that was that brings me back to my first experience where you know I remember I said oh if I ever go to Burning Man I'm gonna do it right I'm gonna go in an RV Mm -hmm. and and the truth of the matter is is there's no right way to do Burning Man it's what works for you and so what's funny is I always said I was going to go in an RV and now I've gone three times and I've camped in my tent. Yeah. <laughs> so I do plan on doing a video RVs versus tents. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's pros and cons to both. Um, I think when you do have an RV, yes, you can, you know, if you have, if you pay, I think if you pay for the money for the RVs and like, don't quote me on this mm-hmm. because I've never used an RV. So I'm not really sure of all the rules, but sure. I know you can pay, I think you could pay extra to have them come and bring you water and, and stuff like that so that your generator can be running if you want to have AC on Got and it. stuff like that. So it is a little bit more comfortable mm-hmm. in that respect, um, but it also a lot of more problems, in my opinion. I've seen a lot of people with RVs have problems like flat tires, or if something's leaking, you need to cover the ply up, and you have to dig right. that out because it's leaving space. So you have to board up, you have to board up all your windows on your RV with, Jeez. you know, cardboard tape, yep, and yep. it just a little bit more work than. I think a tent that you could just go home and clean sure, in my opinion, sure. but it's all about what, how many people you're yeah. with. It, that might 
more a better situation for you. It definitely is a, a place to go and hide mm-hmm. if there is a storm. Sure, sure. You know, but I mean, I always thought that I would have to go that way out there. And then now I've gone several times and I okay. still don't have an RV. So. No. Well, they, no, thank you for explaining that because it, it, it definitely just it depends on, I guess, what the person wants to get like out of the experience or what they think is the best for them at the time, what they can afford as well. But um, as far as traveling around, because you briefly touched on it, but I, does everyone bring these like really cool bikes to get around or it, are some parts of it walkable? You know, can you talk a little bit about like the sheer size of everything? Because I know there was one picture that went viral this year that I thought was incredible. It was like an overhead shot of the city at night. It just like looks surreal. It like looks otherworldly at night. It's kind of crazy. So yeah, like what's the best way to get around during the day or at night? Well, during the day, I typically, (laughs) I typically don't go out too much during the day. It's so hot. Okay. It is so hot. I, if I do go out during the day, I wait until like maybe later in the afternoon, Mm -hmm. like maybe, I know it seems crazy, but like three or four and I'll just go to different camps a lot. So a lot of different camps, they have different events that they put on. Mm -hmm. And so they will be gifting snow cones or they will have ice cream Mm -hmm. or, you know, there's different, you know, things that they do. I thought there's like church where they have like different religious ceremonies and things like that too. Yeah, there. I mean, there's everything you could ever imagine, imagine yeah. in any city, but it's even better because you're out in the middle of nowhere sure. and you're like, how the fuck is this happening? <laughs> oh, right, right, right. <laughs> like, it's seriously mind blowing. Yeah. And it's like, and especially because the people bring it out there right. and build these like structures and these camps and like these swing sets and this art and all mm-hmm. the, it's just so, no it's just so to do. It's just a matter amazing. of weather and yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely it's like the imagination and the creativity out there is absolutely like, it's just, it's beautiful. It's so mm-hmm. amazing. I, it's really, it really is hard to describe if you haven't been there. Sure. Well, cause these but, videos um, like at so nighttime, it, it looks like unreal videos you see of people with these bikes and they're all like glowing and lit up and like, that's the best way to get mm-hmm. around. It just seems crazy. <laughs> so, okay. As far as getting around, you can walk. Mm-hmm. It is very large. The city is very large. So I'm not sure how how I can describe this mm-hmm. over the phone. But Well you won't be able to see it. Well because it's like a city, right? Like you like you I think you've said you sometimes will see pictures oh, afterwards it, and you're like, God damn it, I didn't it's, know. That. It's impossible. Yeah. So the city is designed like a a clock basically. Okay. So the the main part of the city where all the camps are goes from two o'clock all the way around to 10 o'clock. So it goes two, 2.15, 3 o'clock, and so on, all the way around to 10. There's an inner circle. The innermost circle is called the Esplanade. And so basically two and 10 and the Esplanade mm-hmm. are like the outskirts of the, the main city. And they have a lot of large sound camps and theme camps there on those on those roads. Mm -hmm. And then going back from the Esplanade, there's street names that are every year, depending on the theme, the the name of the street changes, but it's always in alphabetical order. So Mm -hmm. it'll go A, B, C, D, E, all the way back. So I, I'm, I'm at 645 and I, that's where I was this year. And Mm -hmm. so I had friends that were at 215 and I, 
Mm-hmm. And I would ride my bike there. And so to get from 6.45 to 2.15, it was probably about a 20-minute bike ride without stopping. Wow. So that's like about like half of the clock. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just, that's just where the camps are. Then once, once you're at the Esplanade, there's the playa where they have a lot of art in the open playa. Mm -hmm. And at six o'clock at the points of six o'clock, three o'clock and nine o'clock out in the open playa is the man. Okay. So that's like another landmark. And then from the man out until 12 o'clock, that's where the temple is. And then past the temple is what they call deep playa. Okay. Deep playa goes all the way until the trash fence. And the trash fence is essentially a perimeter that they put up around the city so that if there is any trash or moop or anything that isn't supposed to be Blows there, away. it gets caught in the yeah. trash Yeah. So genius. Yes. I just saw that <laughs> when I was looking stuff up. That's yeah. so cool. Everyone go and like, do research and like look at what videos you can and look at check out pictures. It's like kind of surreal to see how this is built and how well thought out everything is and how intricate it's built. Like it's just so so interesting. I I mean now I have to go. <laughs> I'm like need to. I definitely think that it definitely you know changes people as individuals mm-hmm. and their outlook. And I think a lot of people that go to Burning Man try to bring the principles back into the default world mm-hmm. and try to use those principles in their real life. Right. And um, for sure, like I mean, so getting back to getting around, you definitely can walk. Mm-hmm. That is, you know possible I don't want to say it's impossible but I highly recommend that you get a bike Mm -hmm. and there's various ways that you can get a bike I'm from New Jersey so I've always had to get a bike um, once I've gone out west and so in Reno there's the Reno bike project Mm -hmm. and can sign up in advance and donate to them donate to get a bike and then you could you could bring it back to them and you should bring it back to them like do not, I think one of the problems that's coming up with Burning Man is that too many people are, yeah, they're leaving no trace when they're around the the city. But then once the event's over, like they're leaving stuff and they're putting a sign that says free. It's like, no, that's not how it works. Right. It's pack it in, pack it out. Right, right, right. So there's, there's people that have storage facilities that keep their bikes out there year round. I know people from my camp, we have a storage facility. We keep a lot of our shade structure there. We keep our bikes there and so forth. Okay. But if you aren't from there, you there's people on Craigslist that sell sell bikes and then you could bring it back out and you could donate it to, you know, a boys and girls club right. or a local community or something like that. And um, there are bike camps out on the playa that do rent bikes out. I'm not sure how that works mm-hmm. because I think you have to sign up in advance and then you pick it up there and then you could bring it back to them. But I'm not sure how that works or how far in advance you need to do that. Mm-hmm. And then there's also community bikes and they're called, um, uh, they're called uh, the yellow bikes, but it's kind of confusing because they're actually green. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they're called the yellow bikes and those are communal bikes that you can ride around and you cannot lock them. You absolutely cannot lock them. They're community okay. bikes. So if you, you can ride, them up say you ride out all the way up. Yeah. Yeah. Ride the yellow bike somewhere. And then you go, you get off, you go to explore art or a camp or something, mm-hmm. and then you could come back and it could be gone. So right. <laughs> that's how those community bikes work. So, I mean, I just think there's people that they ride one, one wheel, one wheelers out there, like those like hoverboard mm-hmm. one wheels. 
and there's people that have motorized scooters and there's people that have like long boards that are, that are, you know, battery operated and they cruise around on those. Um, There's all different types of bikes people build. There's two seater bikes, you know, Mm -hmm. three wheeler bikes, bikes with seats on the back of them. Like, you know, I think people get really creative with their bikes. Once they go out there, Mm -hmm. they see what, how much possibility there is there is and that anything is possible oh, yeah. and that you can do anything and they really get super creative with their bikes i mean it's really it's really That's something how I else imagine it happening i feel like you go to your first one you like learn the lay of the land you get the experience and then i feel like it's addicting and then when you come back like exactly what you said you just you step up your game you're more prepared you want to get more involved like i think you just have a better understanding of like what it's all about so I think I'm definitely like already inspired just like by seeing what people do. So it's definitely, you know, like you said, different experiences each time you've gone back and you know, this one was a good one for you. This, the most recent one, but um, you're probably also just growing as a person and you have a better understanding that's going on too. Yeah. This one, this one was amazing because sometimes it could be really emotional mm-hmm. certain certain things can be super emotional. And I think that the 2016, I think I went to the temple. I didn't know what it was. So for anyone that's never been, the temple is basically, it's a structure that's built and um, lots of people go there to meditate. A lot of people also go there just to have a moment of silence. Mm -hmm. Um, People build shrines to people and loved ones they've lost throughout the years so people write things to people that maybe they don't have closure with Mm -hmm. and it just can be very overwhelmingly emotional and so I actually haven't gone back to the temple since my first burn because I walked in there not knowing what it was and I was I came out and was like wow like it was just so overwhelming probably I just had some like last wrap up questions for you about it. Um, I'm curious because you kind of touched on it before about schedule. I mean, is there like, how are you even able to figure out what's going on? Are there things that are consistent every year and like when they burn, do the burn itself, like that's consistent, I think. But how do you figure out like when things are actually happening, when certain artists are playing or do you just stumble upon things? So, okay. So Burning Man has this rule because of decommodification Mm -hmm. that if any sound camps or art cars are going to be providing a lineup that they don't do it until, you know, I'm not sure if it's the month of or a couple weeks before, but they're not supposed to advertise it, promote it it until I think the week before the burn. I'm pretty sure, or at least the month of August. And then what happens is there is a girl, she goes by the Rockstar Librarian. She actually compiles all of these lineups that she's, that have then, then get published. And she creates a, like a time schedule. Got it. Okay. And then also this year, which I didn't realize, I didn't know until I was out there, but some of my friends had an app that someone created that did the same thing that had all the events in the book, which I don't even know how that, I don't even, honestly, I couldn't even tell you how people do it. I have friends that make, once lineups come out, they make spreadsheets. Okay, we're going Mm -hmm. here this night, we're going here. I 
have learned to, after my first one, when I was trying to chase this, chase that, I have just gone with the mm-hmm. flow. A lot of the the larger sound camps, they have their lineups posted at their camp. So as you're riding around the city, they'll have like a board, people will have boards and it says, you know, this is what's going on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and so okay, on. Got it. So um, for the larger stand cam- sound camps that have bigger artists, you know about it, or it's like word of mouth, people know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I personally, um, and it's just because I've been going to events for so long, I actually, I never go anywhere because of the lineup, yep. even regular festivals. I, I just, I, I've never been been one of those people that goes for a lineup sure yep i've just been going to them for so long that it's not even that big of a deal to me Mm -hmm. like i just care more about the the community the the location right you know the type of vibes stuff like that what's the experience like so um, like so say it's nighttime and you're either riding around or like just go hang around and going to explore and stuff and you come upon one of these art cars that has like a DJ or an artist playing. Um, just like, what is that experience? Like, do you usually have you stayed at a set like the whole time or do you kind of just like roll through and keep, keep it moving? Yeah. So a lot of the art cars, if they're having a larger performance, they'll usually post up somewhere mm-hmm. and you'll see a lot of people just park their bikes around it. And then if they start to move people on their bikes, will start to follow so cool. or depending on, depending on the art car and the popularity, uh, they have bike racks on the art car. So if there's room, you could just load your bike up and actually get on the art okay. car. Um, there's, I mean, there's various different things. That's the, that's what a lot of people do too. Sometimes if they'll just walk out mm-hmm. to the playa and they'll hop on an art car and then they'll get dropped off somewhere and then they'll hop on another one and they'll just, they right won't around. even use their bike all night. Yeah. I personally don't like that because then I feel stuck. Yeah. No, I <laughs> do that. Yeah. I, I, I like to make sure that I have like my transportation mm-hmm. so that I could get around different places because it is so large. It really is. It's massive. And yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if I like the idea of getting, getting stuck yeah. well, out at deep playa. So <laughs> this kind of falls under the deep commodification aspect. I just wanted to touch on quickly. I know we talked about before how like sometimes when these fashion companies or whatever rave clothing companies will sort of like capitalize on like burning man collections and do things like that. That's yes. not really the point of it. Mm-hmm. However, then I feel like sometimes you have these celebrities who will go to burning man and they might just post pictures or videos after like, I think Katy Perry went one year, Paris Hilton goes every mm-hmm. year, Diplo always documents yep. like the whole fucking thing. Yep. Is that, and I mean, it could be up to everybody's different perspective. Like, is that okay? Or something that's like what what happens in Burning Man stays in Burning Man like they shouldn't be really documenting the whole thing or is it a right that Diplo's like posting a million snapshots <laughs> oh yeah no it I mean it, everyone everyone shares their experience out right. there I mean that and I think that that's something that is gonna maybe have to just change now with technology evolving I think that's why Burning Man got so large was because of technology and social media there's nothing wrong with a celebrity sharing their experience versus me sharing my experience you know what I mean that I don't that I don't see as decommodification just because they're a celebrity I it, it's more about advertising. So if I were to go out there and make a ton of like living by the F word stuff to hand out to people 
you know, that is what's frowned upon, you know, you know, or doing partnerships like, okay, I'm going to partner with this clothing brand and this clothing brand and this clothing brand. And then I'm going to go out there and get a ton of photos so that they can then advertise their product type of thing. That I think is what decommodification is more about. Um, Not necessarily the celebrities. I mean, you know, radical inclusion is the first principle. That means that everyone's welcome there. Celebrity or not, everyone's supposed to be welcome there. So I I guess that's what I would say about that. I was curious about like your opinion on all of that. Even even asking you and doing this podcast and I was watching some people's blogs on it. I was like, oh, I don't know like what borderlines the decommodification versus like what you're supposed to share or like, is it okay to talk about all this stuff? And I think it sounds like it's more, it's okay to share all your experiences. Of course. Yeah. And actually I wanted to bring up to you, I have some references for people to check out um, some places that they can look into if they're wanting more information, just because I definitely don't consider myself like a guru mm-hmm. burner. Like I definitely have a lot of information and I'm willing to answer any questions anyone has, but mm-hmm. there's been people in the game a lot longer. And so mm-hmm. I just wanted to point some of those people out if they're interested in learning more about Burning Man. But yeah, talking about Burning Man definitely is not like you. wrapped up in that wrapped up in that decommodification principle, at least for me, it's not because it's such a large thing and it's such a large community. I mean, I I mean, a lot of people talk about it in various ways. And Mm -hmm. so I think that just more has to do with profiting off of the community, profiting off the concept of it. So Mm -hmm. when you see emails that are saying, you know, like in dust, we trust, and here's our Mm -hmm. collection for burning man. That is that, that should not be happening. Right. Right. You know, partnerships with people or people going out there to burning man, selling their stuff that should not be happening. Got it. That's what they're talking about. Okay. But as far as some references for people that I personally listen to and watch, well, you know, and just some other resources you guys do. Uh, the Jackrabbit Speaks, that is Burning Man's official newsletter. And you can just sign up online, just research uh, Jackrabbit Speaks. You could just sign up for their email list mm-hmm. and they provide year-round information about the community and culture of Burning Man. And they also include important up-to-date information about preparing for Black Rock City. So if you're interested in learning more, that is their official newsletter. And then as far as some people that I like to watch or listen to as far as topics on Burning Man, I on YouTube, um, Hug Nation, which is hosted by Halcyon of Pink Heart. So Pink Heart is a theme camp in Black Rock City and Halcyon has been attending Burning Man for 22 years and he's a founder of that camp and his YouTube channel explores various topics on Burning Man such as how to prepare, personal experiences, themes and more. So he is a good and great resource and has done a bunch of videos. And I do think that he did one recently this year before Burning Man talking about decommodification and how it needs to change just because of how our society Mm -hmm. is changing. Mm -hmm. That's you could look into on there. And then the other person I wanted to bring up was uh, Eamon Armstrong. And he has a podcast called Life is a Festival. And I met him at X Live. And so X Live is a music festival conference. And 
he uh, was the former creative director of Fest 300, and he resigned from that position. He started his podcast, Life is a Festival, Mm -hmm. and on that podcast, he explores conversations with global leaders within the festival community. And what I love about his podcast is just hearing their strategies and thoughts regarding various topics. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the topics are about personal growth, psychedelic medicines, gender and sexual identity, as well as spiritual development. But many of the people that he has on his podcast, he knows from Burning Man. Got it. So he really ties in Burning Man, not all, not into all the episodes, but there are a lot where he, where he has Burning Man involved in his podcast. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, yeah, he's a very interesting indiv- individual and a, an amazing person. And I love listening. His podcast and your podcast are like really the only two podcasts I listen to. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm definitely going to check out like all these people and then like probably go so much more into deep with like my research after this now because I'm just so curious about everything. Thank you so much for sharing everything and being such a great resource. And like, I appreciate you answering all of my questions today because I think this is going to be so helpful to people who are just even interested or didn't even have any idea of like how in-depth this whole city and event is um i just think this is going to be like such an eye-opening experience for a lot of people so thank you so much for getting into details and i had one more question that i had to ask (laughs) what is the burn itself that happens and at the end of burning man okay that is a great question (laughs) so believe it or not there are hundreds of burns Um, and so there's different artwork that is built out there every year and certain pieces are burned. And so you may have seen pictures this year. The Folly was one of the larger art uh, structures that was burned Mm -hmm. this year. There was a, um, you know, and I don't know, I'm really bad with knowing the official names of the, of the artwork. Mm -hmm. Actually, I always tell my friends when I'm out there, I name all the artwork, what I would name it. And then I come home and I look it up. (laughs) Okay. artist named it and I'm like whoa I was way off you know um but you know there's different pieces that they that they burn and um the man is burned every Saturday so say Burning Man the the gate opens for general public on Sunday so you have Sunday Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday and then Saturday every year the man burns Mm -hmm. and that is more of like a celebration burn it's kind of more of like a party and and a celebration and there's a lot of fireworks and it's really happy Mm -hmm. and just a fun burn and basically the entire city is there and then on Sunday they burn the temple which is a very somber quiet respectful peaceful burn really hear any you don't hear anything because you know I explained to you it's you know very uh, sacred Mm -hmm. and more symbolic emotional emotional place for people and they are releasing all of that from their life so to me i think a lot of the all the burns mm-hmm. have to do with releasing things from your life that no longer serve right. you it can mean something it could mean something else to someone else you know i'm sure there's going to be someone on here that's listening that has been to burning man and maybe they have their their own opinion but i think that some of the burns have to do with showing that there's no permanence in life mm-hmm. either. You know, bring these large, beautiful pieces of art, just burn it, you know, sure. as if it yeah, never yeah, happened. Yeah. So, so when people refer to the burn, they are either just referring to the event mm-hmm. itself, 
Like, are you going to the burn? Meaning, are you going to Burning Man? And then there's different, then there's different actual burns that take place throughout the whole okay. week. How long is the entire event? Is it Hopefully. eight days or seven? It is um, Sunday to Monday. So yeah, I think it's, it's, it's eight or nine days, but there's, there's people that are out there for months. There's a whole department of public works, just like any oh. other city. And there's people that are out there that lay out the city. So they have a whole, there's like a golden spike ceremony where they, where they uh, nail down the center mm-hmm. of the city every year. There's a ceremony. And so those people are out there wow. for months. I mean, months. And you can, it's not called, it's not called early arrival. It's, but there are passes that you can gain access there early if you're building something. So I had one of those this mm-hmm. year. So it's a access pass. It's called a WAP pass. And basically that allows you depending, but it, they, they assign you a date that you can come early. It's not like, oh, you can come early on any day. Like it, it'll say, you, you know, allowed, okay. entry, allowed entry from this Got date. It. On, okay. basically those are for people that actually have to build large structures that are building art that are you know for us it was we were we had to rebuild our mutant vehicle our art car so we came out early so we could build that so you know um i actually don't have too much information on how those work i know you have to apply sure. for them and they have you apply for a certain amount and then they will approve you for a certain amount so i think we applied for 10 and okay. we only got eight which I thought was great. I was like, whoa, that's good. But I personally did not do that application. So I'm not too sure how that works. But, and then people are out there. There's like a whole MOOP team. So MOOP is matter out of place. So that is any garbage, feather, sequin, trash, bike, anything that you leave out there is MOOP. And so they do a whole sweep of the city and they'll actually put out a MOOP map and coordinate it as to what areas, you know, green is good. That means you left no MOOP. Yellow is like, kind of, there was stuff here. And then red is like bad. And then that determines people's placement for the following year. So if you leave a lot of MOOP and you don't clean your shit up, you're going to get placed (laughs) like farther away, you know, than where you so there's a lot yeah there's so much there's really so much we no, could no, probably no. I mean talk no. forever I guess my my closing my closing thoughts. phrase yeah. Or thoughts yeah would be if you want to get if you're interested in going try to get involved you know with people that have gone before there's also regional burns that happen throughout the year that are basically smaller events that are based off of the burning man principles and there's still art cars and art projects there but you can go you can network with Mm -hmm. people that go to burning man and then are a part of the community or you know you can get involved um there's also burners without borders and they're a volunteer group and they work on community projects and world uh, disaster relief solutions Mm -hmm. and incorporate creativity and all their projects. So they're trying to bring meaningful change to Mm -hmm. the world by helping with fire relief, hurricane relief. So, you know, you can, you know, I think if you just start to network and talk to people and I mean, feel free to Mm -hmm. reach out to me too. That's your best way of of getting a better understanding of what it's really about. But I think you need to go (laughs) to really, really understand. I know. I'm sure a lot of people are going to be going to be interested in this. And again, thank you so much for being such an incredible resource and for for answering all my questions. And um, I I just wanted to ask you before we close out here, um, you know, what's coming up next for you and, you know, where can people find you? Sure. 
sure. I guess I don't really have many festivals planned for the rest of this year. I'm probably going to be working. I have been down in Houston and I've been training to be a initial trainer for new flight mm-hmm. attendants. So it's really exciting to be a part of that process for people and to be a teacher and an instructor. So a lot of my time is going to be Mm-hmm. put into that. So I don't really plan on going too much for the rest of the year, but I'm hoping come January that I get to volunteer for Groove Cruise again. And that's like my mm-hmm. favorite festival ever. Groove Cruise and Electric Forest are like yeah. my favorite festivals. Um, I also want to go to BPM in Costa Rica wow. because BPM is, well, it was, it, it used to be in Mexico and it was amazing mm-hmm. and I loved it. And then, um, unfortunately, there was a shooting on their 10 year anniversary wow. due to Cartel getting involved. It was like really messy. Jeez. And so they stopped having it in Mexico and they started having it in other locations like Portugal. And they had like a daytime mm-hmm. one in Tel Aviv and Israel and like places. But they just announced that they're going to do like a five day one in Costa Rica. Wow. And I was like, oh, yeah. I need to go. January 15th to the 19th. I'm looking now. Yep. Yeah. And Groove Cruise, I think, is the week before that. So that that would be probably what I'd be heading to next. But yeah, you guys can find me on any social media, Living by the F Word. And I do, I I mean, I did mention it on my channel that that I've been down here for work. And so it's been hard for me to get more content Mm -hmm. out, but I have a lot of stuff I want to do regarding, um, you know, electric forest ticket sales. And I turned my garage into an art studio. So I want to do a video on how I did that. And I have a lot of stuff filmed. It's just a matter of actually editing and getting I know it's a lot. So, um, or, or I don't think you put anything out. I know I saw you had a video, which was really helpful on like how to clean your stuff after, Burning Man. Um, are you doing any yes. vlogs or did you do any filming there? I did vlog a little bit when, well, when, when I first got there, it was really the day that we were setting up, it was really windy because what, what happens is, is the less people that are there, the more wind and do- mm-hmm. storms there are. And as the city starts to fill up and build, like a lot of those RVs and structures kind of block okay. a lot of that. So, um, it was really bad when we first got there. And so I didn't really vlog that much, but I did vlog like my tent set up and the monkey hut and how i had all that okay set up so stay tuned for that yeah video. so that's yeah, yeah stay tuned thanks for your so patience you everybody no, you know please go support go check out her channel um and on instagram and everything and you know again thank you so much for coming on i'm really excited to see like your channel grow and uh, you know i would love to have you on for another episode or something like that this was great so thank you of course yeah my pleasure and if anyone does have any questions make sure you leave, leave them in the comments yeah. so that way i mean maybe we could do a, a part two yeah. you know i know there's so much to cover <laughs> with this so, so thank you so much for your time and good luck with everything in houston thank right. you so much i'm looking to all your future content i really appreciate you having me on thank the podcast you. Yeah, I'll chat with you soon all right have a good night okay Bye.
Alrighty, you guys. Uh, first off, thank you so much to Jess for coming on the podcast today. I had so much fun talking to her. Honestly, I felt like I just learned so much more about Burning Man than I honestly could have imagined. Um, it's one thing to read about it online and to watch people's vlogs and to see these experiences, but to hear from somebody firsthand who went to it, has done it a couple years. I just think it's really, really helpful. I hope this gives you guys a better perspective and a better understanding of what this city is all about. Um, Again, like I said, I find it so intriguing. I could have asked so many more questions because honestly, there's a lot to cover here with this topic. So I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you learned something. I'm more than happy to get into this again in a future episode. Um, I just really want this to be like a well-rounded podcast where we cover a lot of different topics and experiences. And this is one that's been on my list for a while. And like I said, it's, it's not something that I see myself attending next year or maybe even in the next few years, but it is on my bucket list to experience Burning Man. I just think that you would get a lot out of it and you would be able to contribute a lot to it as well as a person. And I feel like it would just be a really transformative experience. So I truly hope that I get to experience um, Burning Man and get to attend one year. But anyway, Jess is super knowledgeable about festivals, just about like living your life to the fullest. And she's got some really incredible stories and tips and advice. Um, So please go check out her YouTube channel, um, her blog, livingbythefword.com. And on Instagram, again, she's incredible. She's a great resource. So please reach out to her if you guys have any follow-up questions or you're just curious about anything. I'm sure she'd be more than happy to help. So thank you again so much, Jess, for coming on. Um, I'm really quickly going to get into EDM news here. I, I know this is a longer episode. I hope you guys like this. I kind of like, I prefer as a listener to listen to longer podcasts because I listen to podcasts on my commute to and from work, um, obviously in the morning and at night. And my commute is a little over an hour. So I like when a podcast is over an hour because then I get like my full ride out of it. So I hope you guys like, this is probably our longest episode to date. So I'm super excited about that. But anyway, I do want to close out with some EDM news because there were a couple things that I want to cover while they're still topical. So I'm just going to get into that really quickly now. Okeechobee 2020, that festival announced their lineup. Um, it was a pretty diverse group of people, but one particular act set off EDM Twitter into a complete explosion, and that was Hippie Sabotage. Now, to be completely honest with you guys, I didn't know any of the history involved here. I just follow a lot of people on EDM Twitter, and uh, there was just like a shitstorm. So apparently, Hippie Sabotage, I guess, has ha- been controversial in the past in the community. Um, I gather at this festival called What the Festival, they had like an issue with security on stage. Um, and I think it like broke, broke out into like a huge fight on stage and people were like really not OK with them. I don't know. Again, I don't know them, but there were accusations about them being like shitty people. So who knows? That was three years ago. But um, yeah, people were really, really not happy about seeing them on the lineup. They feel like they're just like not a good representation of this community or, you know, like festivals shouldn't continue to book them and support them so I don't know so that was like the discussion going on I guess they've had personal issues with other artists so anyway people were really not happy about that I don't think that there's been anything that's come out of it as far as I know they're still on the lineup for Okeechobee so you know we'll see uh, what's to come with that in the future another announcement um EDC Las Vegas announced that they have a ticket wait list which to my knowledge is the first time they've ever done this I don't remember them ever having it tickets sold out quickly you guys you know camping is sold out the festival is sold out completely so if you go on their website, lasvegas.electricdaisycarnival.com backslash tickets 
backslash waitlist. You can see um, that they have a waitlist button to join and basically it says you put your email and your credit card information and as soon as a festival or camping pass becomes available, they'll charge your card. So go join the waitlist if you guys are like 1000% committed to going and you're like ready to book a ticket or whatever. I think that's really great. There's so many scammers out there, guys. So if you want to buy tickets, try and do it through like a legitimate third party website or company. Uh, And in this case, I would just sign up for their official waitlist. I know some people sell it through Facebook and, you know, other forms, but you want to be really careful, especially with the festival of this magnitude. I would just make sure the tickets are legit. Next up in the news, uh, Zed got banned from China. And no, I'm not kidding. That is a legitimate (laughs) title of an article. But he tweeted, I just got permanently banned from China because I liked a South Park tweet. That was on October 10th. uh, And he was serious. I guess there was like an episode uh, called Banned in China and it was centered around or like mocking China's censorship laws or something like that. And I guess he liked a tweet. um, It was like the show's 300th episode. But anyway, I mean, CNBC confirmed that he actually is banned from China. So I don't know how long that's going to last or like what they have to do. But obviously, he's an artist who travels and probably plays shows there. So I'm sure they want to get that ban lifted like as soon as possible. Another festival bites the dust, you guys. Uh, Shaky Beats announced that it will not be returning in 2020. Um, Shaky Beats is a festival that takes place in Atlanta, Georgia. As far as I know, there weren't any like legitimate reasons as to why it wasn't happening. But I mean, this is like a pretty common story with music festivals at this point. I feel like it could be any number of logistical issues, location issues, interest. Like you never really know. But I feel like sometimes festivals will go away and then come back and then other ones have like sort of disappeared like trying to think tomorrow world mystery land usa there have been a couple that have like fell off the map completely but you you never know sometimes they might get resurrected but as of right now um shaky beats is not returning in 2020 and lastly i had to touch on this so rolling louds co-founder and owner Tariq sharif i believe sharif uh was under fire this past week with edm twitter he got himself in a little bit of hot water so rolling loud is a music festival that's primarily rap and hip-hop i believe there was one in la and then literally this past weekend or two weekends ago they did one in new york and it's all like major rap artists and hip-hop like i said so um i gather there was like a tweet that went viral where somebody it said like regular people rolling loud in coachella are the best festivals in the world ravers hold my beer and there's these pictures of like EDC Las Vegas and Tomorrowland like all these like incredible shots of like the main stages and the owner of Rolling Loud commented on that picture and said lol they need all that production because the DJs just push play and fake a performance also Rolling Loud is five years old find pictures of EDC Tomorrowland or Ultra in their fifth year and put those up against Rolling Loud and then hold my joint okay first of all ew (laughs) not really a big fan of that attitude but also then again guys I mean, I think I can go on record saying I'm not a fan of rap or hip hop festivals in general. You're not going to find me there. That's not my cup of tea whatsoever. Don't really like uh, love sometimes the crowd that that can draw. I feel like it's like a lot of drunk teenagers. And I mean, obviously, just the music in general, not my cup of tea. But anyway, so this guy got himself into hot water. I'm pretty sure. I mean, Allison in Wonderland was tweeting at him and people just like flipped a shit on him, basically. But and he continued like he kept going on. He was like, "Okay, EDM Twitter, which part of my tweet pissed you off more? The part about DJs pushing play or the part where I point out that we're in our fifth year and EDC Ultra have been in the game longer? Anyway, I think like artists and everybody like jumped down his throat and were like, you're an idiot. Like you really don't know what you're talking about. And he ended up apologizing. And I think Allison in Wonderland and him made peace. Whatever. It's fine. I think he learned his lesson that it's clearly not just about pushing play. There's way, way more that goes into it. But if you are 
a co-owner or a founder of a festival and you have a platform like that, don't really think you should be calling out other communities or talking shit. Like I think you should just be professional. At least like that's the way I would try and handle something. So who knows? I just feel like you have to be a little bit more careful about what you're saying, a little bit more respectful to the different communities. I think that's what got people upset a little bit. So anyway, I think that's all resolved now. But um, that was what was going on in the news this week, you guys. So I hope you enjoyed this episode again. I hope you learned something. I hope you found this helpful. I am going to go binge watch videos of Burning Man now because I'm super inspired and I think that it's just like such an interesting concept and culture and um, I respect it a lot and I feel a little bit more educated. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Jess, for coming on today. Again, you guys, um, please send in submissions for listener of the week and submissions of how to um, turn your night around when you're having a bad festival experience or a bad trip. It can be whatever, guys. It doesn't have to be like a bad trip. It can be you know, if something happens with your group or you have an issue, how do you turn the night around? Um, you can share stories, tips, and advice. I really just want that to be a super helpful episode for people. So send in your submissions to raveculturecast at gmail.com, raveculturecast at gmail.com. Again, you guys can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. It's at raveculturecast and at Emma Capotis. And I would love it if you would check out my YouTube channel um, just under my name, Emma Capotis. Guys, I have a lot of fun stuff coming up there. Um, EDC Orlando is just around the corner. I filmed my what I'm wearing to EDC video. So excited about all the outfits I have planned. So stay tuned for that. Um, Meetup information, all that stuff is going to be coming out as soon as we have set times in the map, which is going to be so soon. It's like not hitting me that I'm going back to EDC. I cannot wait to close out the year with EDC to meet as many of you as possible. It's going to be the best experience ever. So I'm literally so pumped for that. Thank you guys again for supporting the podcast. Please screenshot and share. Uh, tag us in it on Instagram, on Twitter, on Snapchat. Send a link to your friends. Uh, and if you could take a second just to rate and leave a comment on iTunes, I would really appreciate it. So thank you guys so much. And I will be back next Wednesday with a new episode. Peace. Peace.